Hello, beautiful people of whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. My name is Analicia Law, and you are listening to Woe Now with Analicia Law, the podcast bringing you candid conversations relevant to the masses. I am coming to you live and direct on a Wednesday afternoon, a rainy New York Wednesday, um, bringing you something joyful though, something that hopefully will excite your spirit, something that will make you feel warm inside, something that will leave you with a sense of hmm, comfort, purpose maybe, Um, curiosity even. So today I have come to bring you another Netflix series review, this time with the spirit of Black History Month and exploration of Black culinary um, history and just things okay so after the break please stick around stick around for my review of high on the hog the netflix series um it's one you don't want to miss and also at the end of this episode i have a very very special segment for you all um that explores some of my history with food so this is a food filled food packed episode if you love food if you love listening to me talk about food if you love being put on to amazing very just well-crafted you know docu-series and historical pieces about food then this is not something you want to miss so stick around after the break we'll be back on the most recent episode of Woe Now with Annalisa Law, I reviewed one of my favorite Netflix movies that you've probably never heard of. I'm not giving too much away, but if you like rap ciphers, if you like corny theater about unserious politics, if you like Harlem, and if you don't like Harlem, why are you even listening to my podcast? But if you like Harlem, you're gonna love this movie. Go check out that episode wherever you stream podcasts right now, and if you listen Listen to my podcast on Spotify. Hey, this episode comes with a wonderful visual surprise available only on the Spotify app. I'm gonna talk to y'all soon. All right, thank you so much for coming back after the break. So as I said previously, today I will be reviewing High on the Hog. And I'll give you a little bit of background about you know why High on the Hog was created. Um, and also some of the things that I really, really, really love about the show. I was able to watch it last summer, um, literally like June or July, like right before I came to New York. And I would sit in my backyard and just watch it in the very hot Georgia sun. And just, it it took me places. It made me feel, I don't know. It just made me, it, it made me feel like I was investing in a part of black culinary history and just exploring pieces of black culinary history that are not commonly known, but are so beautiful and deserve representation and just amazing. So I'm, I'm going to stop rambling and give you a brief bio of the show. So 
the food writer, Stephen Satterfield, who is also the host of this show, traces the origins of African-American cuisine, tracing its through lines from Africa to Texas. So I feel like it, it deserves even, even more than that. So this show literally travels from Benin in the first episode, um, talking about some of the, you know, culinary creations that are traditional to West Africa. And then you travel to Louisiana in some episodes in parts of South Carolina and Texas and, and you explore a barbecue culture that is um, customary to, to different parts of Texas. It truly is an immersive experience into the black culinary history of America, the um, origins of the the cuisine that we, you know, find to be traditional to African-American cuisine and how those connect to different parts of Africa, just the ways that some of the flavors and um, techniques and, and all of these things that we, you know, find in African and African-American cuisine, how, how those two different types of cuisine, how, how those two different places are connected. Um, and so one of the things that I feel is important to tell you, so High on the Hog was actually adapted from a book um, written by Dr. Jessica H. Harris, and she is a culinary historian. She's a professor at Queens College, and she is a cookbook author. She has a number of cookbooks that have been inducted into the James Beard Hall of Fame, which, by the way, James Beard Awards are very, very um, highly regarded um, symbols within the culinary and and um, I think culinary and like just hospitality space. And so, you know, for her to have multiple bodies of work um, that are recognized within, you know, this, this, this world, this community of food, she has had one of her, you know, most important works. I, you know, I, I would say for um, black people and, and probably for herself um, turned into a docu-series. And so, I just, one of the things that I really, really appreciated about this series was the history lesson through food as your guide. I find food to be honestly one of my most, I don't know, food, food for me makes me like is one of the things in life that makes me the happiest. Cooking, eating, um, and learning about food history. And so, you know, through this show, you are culturally immersed in, you know, African cuisine, its origins, um, and, and the ways that um, Pan-Africanism is centered in this show through its connections between African cuisine and African-American cuisine. So there are ways that the show pinpoints some of the um, like very specific ties between African and African-American cuisine. And of course it's, well, I, if you haven't seen it, you would not know, but it's hosted by a black food writer named uh, Steven Satterfield. He's from Atlanta. 
love to see it. I think he may be based in New York now, um, but you know, always gotta shout out the hometown uh, individuals. Um, so I feel like just his curiosity and his excitement and just his enthusiasm about learning and exploring and really just being immersed into um, the history and the information and the food that he is finding throughout this journey of this show is, I don't know, I, I share the same excitement as I watch him get excited and as I watch him taste something that looks delicious, like it really is even though I'm watching it, it is a show that immerses all of the senses. Um, or not all of them, but multiple. You can't smell or taste the food, but you see it and it probably does something to your heart. It did for me. So um, I think he did a really amazing job at just, I don't know, bringing you in and making you feel like you're there even though you can't taste it, um, which is probably my only... <laughs> My only critique, that I couldn't taste the food. Um, I feel like the show, just in its nature, its storytelling, its images, um, you know, the representation, like these, the, the experts that are chosen, the, you know, various um, locations that it explores, I feel like everyone throughout the diaspora from um, those who are Caribbean to African to African-American. I feel like it does such an amazing job of pulling everybody in to this show in a representative way. And and so it just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's the perfect thing, honestly, truly, to watch during Black History Month. Um, especially as, you know, in recent years, we have been... Uh, as a community, as a culture, trying to unlearn some of the things that we have been taught um, throughout our educational history. Um, I think this is a really amazing show to show you some of the most um, important like culinary creations in the world and how you know, black people are at the center of a lot of these things. Some of the most delicious food now, you know, that, that you know, is a part of American um, cuisine has been created by black people. And, and so one thing that I want to, want to note about um, the series, it, in one episode, I think it's called, I saw it earlier, I think it's like founding, maybe... It's it has something. It's, it's founding something. It, it has something to do with like um, some of the like chefs that were really important to um, American cuisine. So there is a family who is interviewed in the in the series, and one of their um, like way 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 back descendants was the chef for I think George Washington, and. His um, most famous creation uh, that is that is tied to his name is that he created mac and cheese. So he is the creator of mac and cheese. And, you know, this is a part of this family's history that, you know, one of their long lost descendants, um, you know, created mac and cheese. And 
I, I don't think that many people know that like mac and cheese was created by a black man and that, you know, it has such, you know, history in in um, American cuisine, of course, like we eat mac and cheese um, today. Like, you know, there are so many different variations of mac and cheese. People have been able to pass it down and, and create their own um, twists and turns on mac and cheese, but it was created by this black man. And one of the parts of the show is that they um, create uh, mac and cheese according to how it may have been originally created um, or cooked when it was created. So it's it's a it's a really amazing show about just exploring some of the lesser known parts um, that are of. American culinary cuisine that are attributed to black people and um yeah it's it's truly it's truly great um so some some other things that I feel are noteworthy about my experience tuning into the show so I felt like it almost gave me this level of nostalgia that I get from rewatching a classic movie that I really love. Like it just made you feel like, you know, some there were there were familiarities within, you know, the storylines and, you know, the geography. Like just there were things that, you know, felt familiar to you, but then you were also being taught new things and you know a story was being told um that you had never seen or heard of before and so it it was just really it was really great to like feel you know like this these things some of these elements were familiar I also I'm not gonna lie I was envious of the incredible looking food that I was watching for hours like I I wouldn't eat or I would not watch this show on an empty stomach because, yeah, you might just get upset and <laughs> need to take breaks. And for me, I binged it. Um, if I had a snack on hand, I was just able to keep going, whatever. But um, if you're hungry, I would I would be mindful of that. And I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I felt like they were mocking me sometimes because it's like, this looks amazing. Um, they mentioned uh, in, in a, a specific episode um, the importance of black farmers um, and they interviewed and spoke to a black farmer. Um, I can't remember what state they were in. It could have been Texas, could have been Louisiana, but um, I specifically, I, I am a big, I'm a big proponent of black farmers in America and exposing the history um, of black farmers in America. I have created a podcast episode before about um, black farmers in America, exploring some of the lesser known pieces of the history of black farmers in America and kind of the state of which we are currently in as it relates to black farmers in America. Um, so that was a lot of black farmers in America, but I really appreciated, um, you know, that being a focal point. Um, it is, it, I mean, you can't talk about food without talking about the sourcing and agriculture and 
um, producers uh, of that food. And so I feel like that was a really necessary point that um, that was that was prioritized uh, throughout the journey of this series. Um, And yeah, I talked so much, but um, yeah, one thing that I feel is is necessary. Um, So one of the underlying goals of the show is to go against the erasure of the contributions of African-American chefs and cooks. And so, you know, if you are a supporter of black food, black businesses, um, if you love to cook, if you love to eat, if you love to cook while you eat, if you love to eat while you cook, like if you are a food person or you know someone who loves food, share, tell them, tell them to go watch High on the Hog. Tell them to sit back and invest in a piece of learning that will excite their soul, invigorate them, hopefully like inspire them, inspire them to try something that they may have never tried before. Like I inspire them to travel to the motherland, like literally all the things. I feel like this, this, if I watch it again, that will, this will make me book that trip to Ghana. I'm serious. Um, I, I currently have a friend who is um, doing some work in Benin. She is amazing and so intelligent. And so for this to be based in Benin in the beginning of the series, um, I don't know, might have to, might have to, might have to book that flight. Um, But yes, thank you so much for listening to my very long, very wordy, but very necessary review of High on the Hog. I hope you go out and check it out. If you do, let me know. Um, there have been some individuals who have let me know that they checked out the four-year-old version, which I I really appreciate you all listening to me and then acting on my suggestions. Um, but if you check out either of these um pieces of work on Netflix um, and you like them and you know you connect with them please let me know Um, it makes me so happy to know that I'm sharing something that I really enjoy and you all are feeling the same way I have something very special for you connecting my roots in my love of food and my culinary journey and my food loving journey um sharing that with you so stay tuned again my name is Annalisa law and many of you know me as the host of this podcast and a food obsessor but few know how food has made me who i am today today i'm taking you on a journey my journey starting where my love of food began So sit back and come with me back in time. It's guaranteed to be delicious. A perfectly cooked egg. That is the most delicious thing in the world, to me at least. It's simplicity, subtle saltiness, and mellow heat have the power to transport me back to my childhood. Growing up, some of my favorite moments involved food. Like Christmas dinner when I was five years old. 
navigating giant crab legs with a fork as my guide. But not every day is Christmas. The meals I remember most are weeknight staples like Stouffer's lasagna after a day of school and gymnastics practice. Though I've never loved Stouffer's lasagna as much as I love crab legs, and will probably never eat it again, this was the start of my food era. A love story that was only just beginning. Can you please start by saying your name and your relationship to me? My name is Marcella Law, and I am your mother. (laughs) (laughs) That's my mother. The woman whose love of food sprinkled onto me like salt. If I let my mind take over, I can be transported back to early memories of the two of us eating brunch after church. But our meal of choice wasn't always traditional Southern staples. Oh, no, I used to take you everywhere. I remember I ordered your food. I just made sure it wasn't spicy. And I gave it to you and you, start, uh, you started eating it. I was like, do you like that? You said, mm-hmm, I like it. And it was stewed chicken with rice and peas and callaloo. And you were about mm, three or four. I can't remember. But you were very young. My mom tells me that after a point, I started to request Callaloo and brown stew chicken when we would go to the restaurant. She taught me early in life that food can open doors to faraway places. At nine, butter chicken and naan were my passport to India. And I traveled to New Orleans at least once a year through a bowl of gumbo. Because of her, I treat new food like meeting a new person. I welcome it, question it, spend time with it, and decide if it can hold a place in my life. You wanna know a secret? Only a few people know this, so you can't tell anybody. My mother and I are forever connected through our love of eggs. Making, consuming, and dressing eggs is an unspoken language for us. You want me to make you some eggs? Means, good morning, for us. Seasoning with the perfect amount of salt and pepper actually means, I hope you have a great day, for us. And delivering those hot eggs in one hand with an entire bottle of Frank's red hot sauce in the other is like saying, hey, I love you, for us. We cooked together almost as much as we ate together. These days, I don't eat much of her food, but when I cook for myself, I'm often reminded of my mom's approach to cooking and the ways it parallels life. I never measure, because trusting my intuition can be a better guide than any book. And sometimes I've regretted not trusting the book, but you always have an opportunity to try again. In life and cooking, you can make mistakes, but you take the lessons that you're given and forge a smarter, more informed path for when you try again in the future. This has been my love letter to food. Thank you for listening.